Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast on the internet because I enjoy doing these and you watch them. So thanks for being loyal listeners and checking it week in, week out. I appreciate you greatly. Without further ado, I got to talk about the title sponsor of the podcast, Go Fast, Don't Suck. I mean, it's kind of Manny Talk Shooting, but yeah, Go Fast, Don't Suck. They made this banner. Um, They make awesome dry fire decals for your uh, painted walls, uh, match jerseys, uh, memes on the internet that are somewhat hurtful and true. So check them out. GoFastDon'tSuck.net. Tell them Manny sent you in your order notes. I appreciate that. And move on with your day. Without further ado, we're talking to the man who always, always air racks open guns to my cringe. We're talking to my buddy, Mark Casanillo. Hey, everybody. (laughs) um how you doing mark i had to man i had to bust you up right from the beginning oh i've been great man i was not expecting that but yeah that was great um yeah uh yeah i i tried and i found one i couldn't do yesterday believe it or not it was a agency nighthawk collaboration 1911 chambered in 10 mil and apparently it has like a 24 pound spring in it and yeah no that's that's not gonna go no <laughs> That's no, not gonna it, go. it did not go. Was it at least chambered in nine millimeter? No, no, it was in ten. Oh, in ten. That's right. You just said in, that 10. in ten. That's why it was so so spicy. painful to attempt. But uh, um, Nighthawk and Agency apparently laughed at my attempt, so mm-hmm. that's good. It's I'm okay. Sure. Well, we can just pop the mainspring out and switch the spring, and it'll be fine. At least just to air rack nope. it. True. I, I'm pretty sure that would be like a hush hush influencer trade secret secret. But uh yeah, that's definitely what we'll have to do. Exactly. But um Mark, people probably don't know you, but it's okay. They're gonna find out about you. Um who are you and how did you get into shooting? <laughs> well, my name is Mark, aka Mad, aka Modern Asian Dynamics. Um the name was thought up by my beautiful wife. Uh and initially I started the Instagram page like doing the whole goon boy thing. So like I had my face blurred, always only shot my backside. Um, I just want, I just wanted to showcase shooting and guns. Um, I grew up very conservative, so we didn't, my family wasn't against guns, but we just didn't have them in the household. So Mm -hmm. when I turned 18, bought my first rifle because I didn't realize you had to be 21 to buy a pistol. And a week after I turned 21, I bought my first handgun. Um, always been fascinated by firearms, the firearms community. I've been fascinated by competition shooting since before I was a teenager. Um, a big inspiration for me was like I saw a magazine with JJ on the cover like over 20 years ago, and he was like out there making a name for himself. And I was like, there's another Filipino guy doing something awesome. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. Um, but but the fun fact is he still looks the same from 20 years ago to today. It's really weird. I, I look older than he does. I don't like it. And he's like <laughs> at least a decade older than me. So Right. <laughs> um, but uh, so I got into firearms. I self-taught everything. I didn't get into competition shooting um, until um, – January of 
22. So I'm approaching my two-year USPSA official time. Um, before that, I did a lot of stuff, just like the concealment, tactical stuff, self-defense stuff. And that was all just watching YouTube and mag dumping into the trash. But nothing structured until I got into USPSA, uh, kind of Christmas, New Year's of last year. And since then, I've basically spent every waking moment talking and living and breathing, as my wife says. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you're lucky enough is that your your wife actually travels with you to matches, so it's not like... Yeah. Yeah. Not like you're away forever, so that's kind of nice. So you can kind yeah. of share in the experience. Um, for sure, a bit. for sure. No, she's definitely my biggest cheerleader. So, I mean, she does make some pretty good. She she definitely likes to take good pictures of you. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we need to change that to a subscription. But I mean, I mean, you can only charge Greg <laughs> Clement though. <laughs> There's going to be a tab, and it says. Mark, if you are Greg or not, and then everyone else is free, but Greg has to pay. Yeah, that's fair. Yep, yep. Th- there you go. See, that's how it works, right? But um, no, that's cool. So when you first, when you turned 21, what was that first handgun you bought? Oh, it was, believe it or not, a 1911, um, .45, let's see, it was a Commander Bobtailed Para Ordnance. And I, like I said, 1911s, 2011s have been my obsession, um, and they still are. And, I mean, that's what I just keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was my very first one. Gotcha. Now, what drew you to – so in, a bobtail is a very interesting first gun, right? Like, uh-huh. it's it's not a lot of people – like, even a lot of – most builders don't even make bobtails anymore. Correct. So that, that's kind of a retro piece – Especially yeah. to to be to someone's first handgun, it's very yeah. unique. I remember I walked into an academy and they had it on the shelf. I had been watching YouTube videos of 2011s and 1911s. I didn't know. I think I was actually after a double stack nine, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that was it. And I had no experience, so I just like I think this is what I saw on the internet. I bought it, and then I pulled the magazine out, and it was like huh, that looks narrower than on YouTube, but okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, I love that thing. I carried that for a while. Um, oh, my first set of self-defense rounds were, do you remember Hornady zombie defense rounds? Like with the yep. green inside? Mm-hmm. I cleared out like all of Academy <laughs> stock of that day. Like, <laughs> yep. oh, that was, that was fun. But, uh, no, definitely, I have no desire to really shoot single stack, but if I get a single stack gun that I thought went nice, I would dabble, but I like double stacks. <laughs> oh, yeah, skinny guns. Jeremy Reed loves the skinny guns, but oh, I'm man. with you. Like, I don't like the eight rounds reload. Like, Oh, my gosh. That's why we shoot I open. We, yeah. We've got 30-round magazines. If um, I reload once at a, at a match, I'm pretty salty on my drive home. Right. Well, and you know, and then people are like, "Well, why don't you reload?" Like, there's time to do it. I'm like, I don't want to. Like, I, I want to run. <laughs> exactly. I want to run or spend money. Yeah, exactly. Expensive money. I was thinking about that today. About like, how many more? If I was shooting minor, how many more bullets I could get for the cost of? You can't think about it that way. I know it sucks. <laughs> yep. It's the smiles per dollar. Mm-hmm. Smiles. I, I like that. That's I'm gonna. I gotta write that down. Smiles per dollar. 
That's hilarious. Oh God. That's going on a t-shirt. There you go. But, um, no, that's cool. So, and th- so I think when I first fo- started following you or found you, you were shooting, uh, an XC, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how long, well, I guess better. I, I, let me back up a minute. Cause I got to get to this train of thought. When you first got into USPSA, um, did you come in with the XC or was it a different platform, different division? So I've always been fascinated with compensators and red dots. So mm-hmm. I think um, even like on my carry guns, I'd always try to find some way to either put a compensator or have it ported. Um, and these were all like, you know, polymer guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a Roland then, special then? Correct, pretty much. Except mm-hmm. I hated carrying it with XE, but I did it because that's what all the holsters, or sorry, the X300, but that's mm-hmm. what all the holsters came with. So yes, it was traditionally a Roland special. Um, but the problem mm-hmm. was like, they didn't run 100%. Like you had to run the exact same ammo every single time. Like, so when you went from the self-defense side to the practice side, they would just, you know, wouldn't run every single time. So got tired of that. Um, but whenever, so let's see. Winding back two years ago, the wife said, "Hey, we're we're at a kind of good spot in our life. You know, you've always had this dream of wanting to compete. You've always wanted to compete and shoot. It's been something you've been wanting to do even before we got together and started dating." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You need to go find yourself a gun that you can do that with, and you need to get into it." And I'm like, "Are you sure?" I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, no, you go and register with the organization and you buy yourself a gun and call it anniversary, present, Christmas, New Year's present, whatever, and then just do that and get into it. But you have to go into it seriously. And I made her a promise that unless I was getting better having fun, then I would get into it. Mm-hmm. So we went and we ordered the XC at that point, which, like I said, I didn't realize that true open guns are custom built guns you have to find a gunsmith mm-hmm. and it takes time you put a deposit down they build it out and i didn't realize that it did not shoot just regular nine millimeter ammo it was either 38 or nine major mm-hmm. none of that so the first open gun i saw was an xc it is marketed as a open gun on their mm-hmm. website or it was at the time so i'm like this is it right this is it so i boom I showed her the price tag. I said, can I get this? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I get it. So I ordered it, had it. And then boy, was I in for a shock. The first time I went to a match and they're like, you're shooting minor. I'm like, I guess, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Right. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's kind of funny. I, I wish I could find the hat footage, but I feel like one of my range masters here, actually my first major match, which I believe was, like the Kentucky sectional, like last year, mm-hmm. he saw me walking around with my gun and he started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to go find the video because I think I have a video of it and I want to make sure that that's him. And I'm actually going to go back and give him a hard time. But he was like, boy, you're in the wrong sport <laughs> shooting that gun. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I later learned to find out that, you know, major does play into it. But at the same time, I feel like I was accurate and fast enough at the time to keep up with my C and B class where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't really bother me. Like I said, I needed to get better anyway. And there were a lot of other things that I could improve on over major and minor power factor. Like, 
So mm-hmm. I don't even know what the original conversation was. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was fine. So so you so you <laughs> went to your first match with the XC because that's kind of where it dabbled from. Yeah. I, so you shot the XC. Yeah. Um, everyone made fun of you a little bit. Um, Correct. But you didn't know what you didn't know, like I said. So it's yeah. one of the like, unless you're a nerd in the sport and you're like, you know, and that's the unfortunate part. But when you got in the sport, we didn't have limited optics. It was correct. Only, everything. It was either carry optics or or was open, right? So correct. So correct. now you got limited optics, which is nice. It's still the XC still can't go there. Still but, can't. Still can't. Yeah. Still can't. But I mean, a lot of people around the local scene. I, I did get a little bit of flack at the beginning. And then as soon as people started realizing, well, even though, you know, this kid's running around with a minor open gun, mm-hmm. he's still beating all of his open guys. So in my mind, there was a lot of other things I could have improved on. And then, mm-hmm. and then Greg entered the scene and he started with an XC too. And then yeah. I still couldn't touch him because he just wouldn't miss. So yeah. then that was really disheartening. Therefore I needed to get major to help even the score. <laughs> Right. Well, but as we both know now, there is a game in itself of major major minor scoring here. Like, Correct. you just go faster. Like, the answer is go faster because the Charlies aren't going to hurt you that bad. Well, right. I mean, the guys, like the open shooters who went to Carry Optics Nationals found out real quick that Charlies hurt. They do. They <laughs> but do. But not in not open. Minor. Yeah. yeah. Major, major, it's great. Minor, not so much. Not when you're, so losing, much. When so you're much. losing the two points, it, it, it stings. Dude, it does hurt. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that's kind of why I think my friends always give me a hard time because they're like, "Okay, you're shooting an open gun. That's shooting nine ma- nine major. Stop shooting like a carry optics gun." But as soon as I get a plastic gun in my hands, man, I'm like blitzing. I don't care if there's two on brown. I'm leaving. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't understand that mentality, but right. So I, I the other day I went to the range with a buddy. We had a training session. He's getting ready for. Handgun nationals to shoot limited right. optics. I got to shoot uh, the platypus. So, so what is this? Like everyone keeps talking about it. Supposedly it is this the one that does the Glock or the Sig platform back? So I got to shoot the prototype Sig variant. Okay. So, um, but because the the Glock variant, uh, the battery was dead in the Delta point. So, oh. so we Whoa, shot. This person had two. He has yeah. He's got two. So. He's been helping. He's been helping them test and build. So it's kind of cool to see him and their relationship grow. So I shot this thing, and I'm like, okay, I'm shooting it. You know, I'm putting great. Pay- I'm shooting these targets. I've got like a twenty, a ten, and a five yard target. You know, the minor gun. It's not recoiling that much, so I can split it pretty much as fast, just slightly slower than an open gun. But I'm also dragging my thumb across the slide with my thumb, my front thumb, because I'm used to a mount being there, and I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck. Well, why? Well, and it needed it needed some oil bad. Uh, uh, the thing was dry, but it was just like I was just like, this thing is weird. Why? Why am I touching the slide? Because you know, with as an open shooter, I don't care because I can't touch the slide. Correct. If but, you touch the slide, something went really wrong. Right? Yeah, you lost your dot, or yeah. But um, all in all, it was a fun shooting gun, but. It's a so there's it's not like a 2011 where they've got the grip is separate than the frame. It's all one piece, right? So the frame and the okay. grip are, are all one, okay. um, which is unfortunate is a downside 
because you're stuck with whatever frame or grip texture you you buy it on. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. So it's kind of like a, so if I really want to say it's like a 1911 almost, but you know there's okay. no removable grip panels. The gun okay. shoots the gun shoots great. Um, some things I'd personally change like to have wider safeties um, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But you might as well. I mean, if it's if it's gonna fit into that LO niche, mm -hmm. it should be a little bit more obvious that it's a LO-ish gun. Right. But, well, and they're still figuring out what models they want to offer, like right. a competition model, a carry model, a range toy. So. And then to be fair, I feel like the market for that wouldn't even really be the competition side. It would be a lot of kind of like the Timmy side, if I'm being honest. So. Right. Well, but then there's the guys who've shot Glocks for years and carry optics, mm -hmm. but they're like, I want a limited optics gun. I want a 2011. They don't have to buy magazines. They just can go buy a platypus and be like, I've got a hundred Glock mags. I don't right. care. <laughs> right. Right. So that's the cool thing about it. Um, it shot really good. I liked it. Um, they can be, they need a little, from what I shot, the one yesterday, we had an X300 full of lead shot on the front of it. It was like a frame weight. So when we took the frame, when we took the frame weight off, it definitely needed that extra weight. But, but I'm used to shooting a 54 ounce open gun. That's got all the weight in it. So I think oh. they're cool. And this is double stack. Yep. It's a double stack. Yep. Hmm. Very interesting. Personally, myself, I wouldn't buy one. I wouldn't buy one because I'm invested in 2011 mags. Right. And, <laughs> like, but like if you're shooting SIG or you're shooting a Glock pattern gun, it, it could make sense to go buy a limited optics gun with the different mag patterns. So it's it's got a market, a very niche market, but it's super yeah. cool. Because it's... And they keep they like they started with a delta point cut. Now they've already got an SRO, and they're working on, I think, an acro cut. So, okay. so and they just launched this gun at Shot Show in 2022. No, sorry, okay. 2020, 2023. Oh wow! So it's very new. Very new gun. New very new platform. Well, platform gun. But anyway, so we were shooting yesterday, and that was fun. But uh, now I kind of forgot what I'm talking about. Oh, so didn't know what we didn't know. That's right. So yes, yes. Um, how long? So you didn't know you had a real open gun. You didn't have a real open gun. How long until you were like, "Honey, can I go buy a real open gun?" Um, that probably really didn't really bother me until mm -hmm. the very end of um, last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think my season was actually over. Mm -hmm. So shot probably close to 10 majors last year mm -hmm. um and did fairly well did many podium finishes at a lot of them um and this was in b class which was fine but i mean i didn't really feel the need to do it because if i was still placing top three in b using minor um and spanking people who were using major and running guns that were more expensive than mine to me, it didn't really matter. There was always a lot more things that I needed to fix within my own shooting and shooting style over mm -hmm. major and minor power factor. Um, but toward the end of last year, one of my good buddies here, um, I, I would talk about him and shout out his name, but I mean, he doesn't even do social media, so there's really no point. Um, right. <laughs> but we're going to call him Chris. Um, and uh, he's a big, you need to shoot major. You need to mm -hmm. shoot major. And I'm like, 
buddy, I don't need to beat. I don't need Major to beat you, so therefore I don't need Major. Well, we both uh, started getting better, um, mm-hmm. and then we kind of leveled out in terms of actual just raw skill. And then therefore, if we we're equal skill, then Major's going to always beat the minor. So therefore, toward, I think it was right around Thanksgiving of last year, I finally found my gun builder um, and I shot several of his guns. They, they worked well. And I told him, if I build a gun with you, I need your word that you're going to basically be at my beck and call if I have problems because I can't afford two open guns. Right. So he said, yeah, I mean, we're in the same state. He's like the next city over within two hours. So it's, it's really nice. He's been so good to me in terms of like, I've broken an extractor at a major match. He's like, I'm already fitting two. They'll be in the mail on Monday morning. Here's one temporarily that you could use. He even offered to drive me his spare open gun um, <laughs> whenever something else. When I think it was another extractor thing. We had bad QC with the lot we had or something like that. Mm-hmm. And always very ready to help and fix. So it's been great. Um, so it's, it's just so different trying to fully commit to the major versus that minor mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still struggle with that today, but yeah, it's one of those things maybe going into next year, I'll I'll hopefully get the different nuances. There's just a lot of things. I think the biggest thing is I'm not, I still want all those alphas and like me sending another makeup shot just negated the fact like another alpha sending three shots to make two alpha doesn't make any sense at that point whenever I had alpha Charlie combo. So, right. Well, and that too is it. I, I can understand the hardships cause I do too. Right. When you don't shoot, when you locally don't shoot with a bunch of open shooters, right. When you're shooting with a bunch of carry optics guys, you kind of yeah. can get the play. Like you can, it can kind of revert the mentality, right? Correct. It seems almost like an open, if you're not moving all the time, or if you're not shooting and getting to the next target sooner, um, you're behind the curve. At least right. at the at least at on the scene of, you know, setting the pace, right? Correct. So and that's what I mean when I for, <laughs> I even said that like I shot a major in May, and I'm like it's like I'm shooting a carry optics gun. I'm just shooting it so like so slow, but the the dot doesn't move. It just kind of stays there, and you can just whack on the trigger a little bit fast, right. a lot faster. Right. Right. But looking at back at my match video for that match, I'm like, why did I shoot the five yard targets as slow as the twenty five yard targets? Yeah. And and so just watching like the really good sh- shooters, so like Siler, like all of the Super Squad guys, their videos aren't like any of our videos because depending on the difficulty of the target, the cadence actually changes. So anything mm-hmm. where they need to respect it, it's a little bit more not even necessarily slow, but it's a more deliberate type shooting, like truly reactive shooting. Mm-hmm. And then anything else that they can just blatantly disrespect. I mean, like anything, if, if it's open, they're going to just go to town on any of those. And it doesn't really matter how far they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really difficult for someone who isn't really willing to take the time and understand that and just be really in-depth and honest with their dry fire, their live fire, and all their practices to really implement that. I mean, you can do it, but it has to become subconscious. You can't be mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, I'm gonna, I'm now gonna 
attack this target, then I'm going to shoot this reactively. No, it has to just come second nature to you. And until you can get that really in your subconscious, you're going to struggle a lot and overthink it. And the less noise you have in here when you're running a stage, the better off you are. So at least from my opinion, everyone's a little different. But the more I think about how to game a stage, the worse off I do. It's better just like as soon as the buzzer goes off, you know you have to shoot these targets here. You know you have to wait for this activated target there. Get all your spots and make sure you're there. And then just stop thinking about it. So like the more loose and the less thinking I do, the better off I do. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a lot. And I agree too. It's like the more mental process, like the more the conscious mind you're putting into it, um, on things that don't need to be conscious. Um, I agree. Yeah. It just slows down your shooting. And then yeah. you're yeah, like, I've got my guys locally here. You, you see them, they're second guessing themselves on a target or something. And it's like, I love with like, I, um, I'll put my sky cam up in the air and, and gain video of all my buddies because we shoot like back to back to back. So really I can't watch them shoot purely for the fact of I'm next. I gotta, I gotta be mentally prepped. So I'm not watching them. So I'll play the video back to myself and then I'll, I'm a dick and I'll just stack ourselves on top of each other and be like, okay, uh, watch (laughs) me just leave you in the dust. (laughs) Yeah. But, but (laughs) that's always the fun part about it, I guess is, uh, Ooh, excuse me. <coughs> um, is watching those videos, but yeah, no, yeah, I definitely, the, I, I've done it to, um, Jared Clinton. So he's our mm-hmm. resident, you know, Missouri grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Like my whole entire first year, I'm like, I need all your hat cam and I need all your video footage. I don't care if you give me permission to, I'm going to video you and I'm going to watch where you start giving, where you start pulling away from me because I need to know what I'm doing and I need mm-hmm. to know how to fix like my positioning, my footwork, everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great resource. That's all I kind of did my first year was just find a handful of people that I'm like, I respect you. I admire how you shoot. And I want to use everything in terms of your mechanics and how you position yourself to make myself better. And that's definitely helped. Um, it's not really evident with how clunky and awkward I shoot sometimes. But there's definitely a, each person has a lot of art to how they do things. And there's definitely people who make it very seamless and those are kind of the people i want to watch and learn mm-hmm. from but it's tough man i feel like it is tough mm-hmm. well it, it, it seems like it's even tougher in open because you can't leave anything on the table i mean carry optics guys will say well carry optics is harder because you have to shoot absolutely shoot alphas at a, a very high rate of speed but i don't know the gun just cycles a lot faster so giving up um like say someone's shooting a 20 splits all day, right? If you're giving them 20 and you're only shooting 25s, 28, 30 splits, um, you, you are losing something, but if you make it up in transitions, it's a little different, but mm-hmm. you're, st- you're still every, you know, if you're off the pace, uh, it, it's hard. It's hard yes, to make it, it up. And, and you know, like as soon as you unload and show clear, you're like, that was not on pace or on par with anything else. Mm-hmm. And you're like, as soon as you start hearing those hits getting right out, and you're like, oh. Yeah, I don't. I, I know for myself, like, um, like like to do the visual shot calling. It's like I'll shoot a couple. I'll shoot the whole stage, and I'm walking to that specific target that I'm like, yes. I don't know if it's there or not, so I'm walking <laughs> straight there. Exactly. 
exactly and, and that's great definitely shot calling is definitely really big but but at the same time you're like <laughs> sometimes i'm just like okay that lifted off of charlie okay that lifted off the of delta i'm already out of the position and i'm going <sighs> and then all you're thinking about is that delta you left back there and you're like okay no it's fine i still need to keep going i still need to keep going it's all yeah. there it's on there but it's just like oh right well in even this um what how much of a learning different curve was it for you to switch from shooting you know minor like you know tracking the dot in recoil how how long did it take you to really get up to pace from a minor gun with the xc to your open gun to be fair i had really no idea what any of that meant until this year okay um so I would say all of last year, I saw a flash of red on brown and I sent him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it wasn't really until, let's see, I think, I believe in March, Ben mm -hmm. Steger came down and we took his class. Okay. And it just like, so so all of last year, everyone's like predictive, reactive, calling your shots. Um, let's see. Uh, but, uh, what was the other term that they throw around visual patience, target focus, all of this stuff. So like, this was me, like anytime last year I heard any of those terms, I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no clue, like zero clue on what any of that meant. And no, with those two days that we took that class, no, we, we learned what that all meant. Um, and it was really weird because. The next, let's see, from March up until maybe June and July, when all of those things that I had zero clue all of last year started like clicking, like I would be shooting a match and all of a sudden I'm like, I saw the dot lift off every single shot I fired. Mm -hmm. Like, so therefore it's like, oh, this is what calling is. Like, I saw it lift there. Like, predictive versus reactive i'm going okay so that's a no shoot at like 15 20 yards i'm not just going to send two at it but i'm also not going to sit here and wait for the dot to completely settle get a perfect sight picture i'm waiting until that dot just comes right back to the spot i wanted it to lift off and i'm breaking that shot and calling it good then leaving mm -hmm. and then the first time i did that i was like oh, i just reactive shot the target at 15 yards with a no shoot and it was two alpha i was like oh <laughs> so so all these stuff started really clicking um right up until probably mid this year um and then i got really hyped up on that and then i kind of just took like a whole mental and dry fire break because i told mm -hmm. myself i didn't want to get burnt out going into like area three in nationals so i just literally stopped dry firing and going to practice and everything um and i just went to majors it's weird i stopped going to locals and just only went to majors and just tried to have a lot of fun going into that just trying not to overcomplicate and overstress things out um because if i don't have fun then i struggle with my performance and it's like well if i struggle with my performance and didn't have any fun then what was the point of going right absolutely yeah no i agree with you we're, we're here to have fun that's why we do this we don't put ourselves to the we want to I mean, we're all type A personalities. We're, we're really right. competitive. We want to win. But if we're not having fun, it, it doesn't do anything for us. So I 100% yeah. understand that. Like, like I'll take a couple of days off a of dry fire and feel no guilt because I'm just right. like, I'm doing too many things. 
Um, I know I should be dry firing, but it's definitely not, it's not crushing me inside not to be holding the gun. Right. But, um, no, I agree with you on that. Um, so, uh, or a little bit earlier, you talked about, you know, videoing Jared, right? You know where you're losing time. Um, um, at what point, um, I guess now I got to rephrase my question because I lost my train of thought. But anyway, um, you were shooting with Jared. What um, were some of the big things you took away from from watching him, really observing him deep deeply? He loves the blend and flow things, but he also doesn't. He doesn't even like to try to find. Okay, would this be worth it? Like, he doesn't try to game a stage. I think the biggest thing is says it needs to be simple and I need to shoot it and I need to keep moving toward my final position. Mm-hmm. That's basically how I think what he tries to present to me when in terms of my stage plan. And then the big thing is he needs like, you just need to have fun. So all of his locals that he shoots with us, he's there to have fun. He doesn't mm-hmm. care whether he wins or loses. He just has fun. And then mm-hmm. he ends up winning anyway. So, right. right. So, so big thing. I know you can't speak for him, but when you show up to a match, are you still just trying to just have fun? Or are you trying to be... Like a lot of people don't get to mm-hmm. see my local matches. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably more than likely just try to have fun. Like, I'll try different things. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I use it to experiment with either something I've been working with on dry fire. Um, and then most of my local matches, I shoot minor anyway. So, like, unless it's a major... Um, local match before like a major match Mm -hmm. it'll probably all just be minor ammunition anyway so i'll just go balls to the wall with minor ammo and it usually turns out okay too (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and i that's fine too i mean it definitely makes um uh makes things a lot you know keep it fillets and fluid you don't have to shoot a bunch of ammo to hurt you know yeah well and for you you don't load your own ammo so I don't. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a little minute because if I don't, if we don't talk about him, he's gonna kick both of us in the teeth. <laughs> um, uh, just especially because I call him uh, my engineer. There you go. <laughs> he's like, but if you call me that, I'm sending you the bill. I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at least for me, like you know, I like I'm there to have fun, but like I'm still running my yeah. mental process as if yeah. I'm going to a major match. But yeah. I'm still there to dick. I'm still there to have fun shoot yeah. the shit and talk all the smack yes but it's because i can back up my smack talk though <laughs> I, at least to who yeah. i smack talk with i'm like yeah like i shot a match in august with my buddies new range for them they'd never been there i've been there once or twice a couple years earlier and i'm like they're like i threw i had two dumpsters of the first stage right I, I pop a no shoot, I bunch of extra time, and I'm like, "What is up with me?" The next stage, horrible, extra time, a miss or something, and I'm like, "All right, here's your free candy. If you can't beat me, I'm really <laughs> screwing up all day." But oh, then I, man. it was like a six stage local, so I destroyed them on the rest of the stages, and I'm like, "This is why I'm still top dog. <laughs> this is why I'm still top dog. I can throw two dumpsters and, then, <laughs> and come back from a win." Now, I have to be careful. So I I enjoy smack talk, but there were two times this year where I went probably way overboard. And yeah, they were they were uh, not good matches. I had fun, but uh, they were not good performances. So uh, let's mm-hmm. hope no one can pull up those practice scores. It's okay. I'll find them. I'll find them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to be fair, 
in all honesty, I love to talk smack too. And then if the homies actually call me out on it and they actually end up, you know, giving me the spanking I deserve, then I'm the first to congratulate them. So, right. Well, and, and like I said, I, I don't like to, I don't be too braggadocious, but only with my bros. Like, as I'm like, yeah, no, they're definitely, yeah, they're just yeah, it's, the same it's, handful of guys. I, I don't want to, I mean, I let my, my cockiness come out in front of them, but I yeah. am super nice most of the time, unless you're like, yeah. no, unless you've like, start talking, if it's usually they start it and then I'm like, yeah. okay, daddy's going to finish this. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm usually very nice. I love, I love it whenever like younger, like junior shooters start squatting with us because mm-hmm. it, it's just like anything you need, like we will help you. And they're like, no, we got this. And they do really well. But there was one guy. Um, he was a younger guy. He was listed as an LE guy. And like, I we did roll call. Before roll call, I introduced myself. I said, hey, my name is Mark, you know. And then he just like turned around and walked away and started stacking mags. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one day where I forgot my holster and I was borrowing Greg's gun. I was mm-hmm. shooting LO from AIWB. Mm-hmm. I destroyed this guy. <laughs> destroyed this guy. And then toward the end, he was like, oh, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm Mark. I'm still Mark. I'm still Mark. <laughs> you still got beat by a guy shooting from a gun hidden inside of his pails. Um <laughs> But yeah, afterwards, uh, no, he's uh, introduced himself several more times and we shot together several other times. So it's definitely just like, I, I don't necessarily understand the people that have that kind of I'm better than you kind of attitude because you can't judge a book by its cover. I've been beaten by plenty of juniors. I thought, oh, you're, you're just a junior. I've been beaten by old people. I've been beaten by women. Um, you just can't judge a shooter by their gear or by their jersey. You just can't judge anybody and you have to be nice to everybody because those are like people who can become your best friends for like, mm-hmm. like, right. I, I mean, I will judge somebody by their Jersey. If it's cooler than mine, we got a problem. <laughs> be like, like be like the Cinderella sisters and like rip it off. Uh, no, not that bad. Be like, who made this? Who, what pattern is this? I want this. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, there. who was it? It was my buddy Steve, I think. It was, like, a super flamboyant, like, Hawaiian shirt jersey. And I'm, like... I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, like... It wasn't, like, a Boogaloo, like, a Phoenix Ammunition Boogaloo one. Okay. It was super, like, Miami... Well, what was... Uh, like, Miami God, Vice. Miami Vice or um, Hawaii Five-0 or... God, oh, Magnum P.I. It was, it was yeah. like... It was, like, bam! I'm, like, yes, that is awesome. Like... <laughs> So I love those like goofy like jersey yeah. shirts, and I'm like, yes, if you if you can rock it, you rock it. Now, right. um, I do want to flip the coin a little bit and talk a little bit about some of the majors this year for you. Um, we met at Area Five. Uh, you, were, you were you were with your buddy Greg um, after he moved. Was that area before Area Five? Greg moved back to Missouri, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. He's been back home, I think, since the spring of this year. Yep. Okay. Because yeah, he finished school and didn't really say goodbye. That little jerk. He just was Ooh. like, he was like, I'm coming. And then he came back to Michigan for Area Five. And but did you guys drive up or fly? Uh, we both drove separately. Yeah, because he wanted to leave. Well, he couldn't leave as soon as I did. 
mm-hmm. but I didn't want to wait that long. Mm-hmm. So it just because that's, that's a long drove. drive. Like what? It was. I think it was like eleven, twelve hours. It, it was yeah. like. So did you uh, did you split with your wife like splitting up the driving then? I drove up and down both ways. Okay. What did you stop though? Like to sleep? All the way through? Okay. Yep. No, I'm, I don't do that. I, <laughs> I, I have a cap. It's either I have my riding, my driving buddy, my wife, or I'm like, I'm stopping after like seven hours. It's getting more difficult. Like as soon as I turned 30, it just mm-hmm. became all of a sudden difficult. Like from 20 or sorry, from 18 on to 30, it was easy peasy. I drove from Missouri all the way to Washington State, which was like a total of 27 hours nonstop. Oh, and other than potty breaks and food, right? Correct. Correct. Um, and that was fun. But like, as soon as I turned 30, I'm just like, oh, after 12 hours, I, 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 that's about my max now. Yeah. Yeah. That's for me. I don't like driving, but I'd rather drive than fly purely for the fact of the time limit, the time difference of you got to get to the airport hour, two hours early, you know, probably get delayed, fly for however, then you got either a layover or something and then you right. got to get a rental car and then still drive to where you're going. It's like, yeah, I, two more hours than I could have driven there and had my own vehicle, all my <laughs> crap that I wanted. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I like my cart. I don't like not having my things. Right. Yes. Yes. Strictly the cart. Yes. Yes. The cart is the cart is needed. Well, and I'm not a big fan of the wagon. The wagon is something I do not like, but that's just me. So I don't have yeah. a wagon, but you yeah. got to have your stuff. Yeah. But no, Area 5, oh my God, that was, oh man, that was a fun squad. Um, fun squad, fun match. It was great to actually meet a lot of the Northern people, including yourself. Um, met several people who I actually, you know, talk and text to on a pretty regular basis from that match. So that's definitely a kind of, that's kind of a high on the priority list in terms of areas for me next year. I'm hoping mm-hmm. I still have enough uh, time off and finances stuff work out so I can do it again. So mm-hmm. area five was definitely probably one of my most favorite major matches for this year so far. Right. Sorry, not sorry for putting you on that squad, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how that happened. I was really I was... confused, but no, I, I loved it. It was, I, I was, it like, was a oh, great squad. There was spots open. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, you can go here. And Greg was already there. So I was like, well, I can't be a guy, a jerk and make Greg shoot over here and you over here. So I was like, I'm like, OK, that'll work. No, so... it was great. And then getting to actually see how people on the super squad from both open and carry optics got to shoot. It's just like, Oh yeah. That, and that's gotta be the cool part is be able to learn. Like I can shoot if I wanted to on a average basis, I could go down to Ohio and shoot with Andrew. If yeah. I just had to figure out when he's showing up yeah. and go where he's going to go. And it's always fun to squad with him because oh, he yeah. treats every match kind of like a local. <laughs> so it's always a fun blast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely seemed like it was kind of cool because I mean, even as a staff perspective, I could see Andrew was talking to um, Aaron and is like, it's "Like you're doing this, right? Yeah." So they're doing the same thing, but they weren't. No one was holding the secret sauce at all. It seemed like no, and that was. It, I mean, there was really no need to because it's like just because you knew what everyone else was doing doesn't mean it necessarily fit into your style or your game plan. So. Mm-hmm. 
or even like in my case, my abilities. So it's kind of like, okay, I can share what I'm going to do, but a lot of the stuff they were doing was really technical and it really relied on being able to know what your timing was between you and your gun and your ammo. It's all about the timing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, oh, overall, a lot of their results, I mean, they were like, what, not even a quarter of a percent off overall? Like, it was really tight for that match for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was spicy. It, it definitely it was. was a spicy race between those two for Area 5. Right. Now, um, yeah. Now, do you remember a state? I know you shoot a bunch of majors, but do you remember a stage that was your absolute favorite from that match? From that match? I actually really like that fixed time stage. Um, I really did. I think it actually got me onto the excited of fixed time stages. I I think that might have been one of my, aside from the classifier, there's there's like a three-target classifier. I can't even remember what it is. Um, but it's a strong hand, weak hand, fixed time. Um, and that's, that's a classifier, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that was the first actual fixed time stage at a match that I was like, oh, fixed time's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's always really fun to hear the different camps. So I'm always in the, oh, you need to try for all the points. And that's Mm -hmm. what I tried. I tried for almost all the points. Actually, I tried for all of them, I think. And yeah, that, that went horrible, but, um, it was really fun to see, okay, this is literally what your on-demand performance is. Like, can you know from all your practice and your training and your dry fire, and then all your experience and time you put in with your gun and your ammo that you can do X engage X amount of targets in X amount of time. And the time they give you, okay, here's the sample beep. And then everyone's like, draw really fast. And then by the time they stop, there's like three more seconds. Everyone does that. Mm -hmm. And then whenever the buzzer goes off, you're like, yeah, that didn't work. But, um, but no, I love the fixed time stage. It went horrible, but I actually really enjoy fixed time stages now because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was a good one. I think the time was a little fast, but I also, but I went, I, I went at safe and I just went and got all the points on the one side. Yeah. But so, but I liked that stage. So I can't really did too. So that was a good stage. Um, yeah, I wish more, more matches nowadays are catching on to short course or medium course fixed time now. Yeah. So like you shot one at nationals. Yeah, we did. Ago. <laughs> With a swinger. <laughs> With a swinger. Yes, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really realize that it was the unloaded start fixed time stage, which mm-hmm. in all of my walkthroughs, I'm going, okay, I'm just going to draw from the holster shoot all these three from the window, then go into the main area. And I think I shot, there's four targets there. And then you had a target on the outside. And then I didn't factor into the fact that it was unloaded and then trying to stick a mag in there and rack your racker and then step on a stomp pad. Yeah, that took a lot longer than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And then I really freaked out because uh, the swinger was, I guess, going away. And I quickly swung over to one of the two remaining targets, only shot one target, and then went to the outside and randomly sent two at the far right one. And I'm thinking as soon as he goes beep, I'm going, oh, there was another target in the middle. But it's mm-hmm. okay. 
Right. And you live and you learn, right? The, that that was probably a very – I wasn't on the ground, but it looked fun. But it definitely it was left, fun. It definitely could hurt you if you forgot something or <laughs> – yeah. Or, or if your plan was to take it the swinger from the window or, oh, no, I'm going to take it from this window. But I'm, if it's not there, I'm leaving it. I'm going to shoot it in yeah. the opening. And then it's not there either. You know. Yeah. I could not hit a reload all into day two. And I think there were two unloaded starts on day two for me. Mm-hmm. And those were just all horrible. Um, <laughs> so it's like. Uh, okay, we're just gonna forget how to reload day two, but mm-hmm. well, and then you shot with the big dad energy, David Blanton of the Humble Marksman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Mm. He, now, how was that shooting with David? So, well, you had two Davids, didn't you? You had you had David Blanton correct. and David Lyle. Correct. So, the Humble Marksman did not introduce himself as the humble marksman. Mm-hmm. He introduced himself as Dave. <laughs> so all of day one, we're, you know, talking and we're just talking and we're talking. So background story. Mm-hmm. I've mistaken another nondescript, kind of tall, middle-aged white guy with a beard, <laughs> with a beard. as the humble marksman before. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing, humiliating. This was last year at Area 4. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, are you the humble marksman? And the guy's like, and uh, after that, I was like, I am never, nope, we're not, I'm not going to assume anyone's the humble marksman anymore. <laughs> this guy, we're talking, he introduces himself as Dave, and I'm like, oh, well, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I'm just like, well, that's a little weird. He's shooting a bull, and uh, it runs, and. He looks like him, but I'm like, I'm not making this mistake again. Right. Going into day two, like, like second to last stage, I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to regret asking this, but are you the humble marksman? He's like, well, duh. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. I just didn't want to assume because I've gotten in trouble and made awkward interactions with people before. But yeah, he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, nice to meet you. I'm modern Asian dynamics. He's like, I know. I know, and I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I got I got in trouble for introducing myself as Modern Asian Dynamics. I got in trouble for introducing myself as Mark. I'm just like, I don't know what people want. <laughs> yeah, I'm Greg's Filipino daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some days, right? <laughs> it's like, Greg, did you forget your shoes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes he's like, here, eat a granola bar, buddy. <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry <laughs> yeah yeah no it was actually really interesting so my national squad was really good um watching pretty much the majority of the mpa guys tear it up it's mm-hmm. really good um and just like everyone in our squad really helpful really fun to shoot with and mm-hmm. well there was what there was an interesting dq on the standard stage on your squad there was now i wasn't on the ground um from your vantage point and you could tell me if you weren't even looking or what or paying attention um do you think the right call was made well there were two but i feel like the interesting one you're talking about um i don't know what you had heard from what i've seen it was one of the 
I'm assuming a junior shooter. I believe he was a junior shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, the story was that he was warned that he had his finger inside the trigger guard upon the reload on the first string. Mm-hmm. And I guess he got stopped on the second one because they saw it again. Um, I was just listening because I was doing my little dry dance over on the other side because we were on the left and right. He was on the left lane. I was on the right. Mm -hmm. Um, But to be fair, there are a lot of shooters who don't get a warning. Mm -hmm. So I know that if I ever get warned, I've probably been sternly talked to maybe two or three times in my entire career about, oh, you were really close to 180 or, or it was mainly the reload. So like reload going into the left, I usually kind of get that really close. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime there, like the whole rest of the match, I'm like, okay, we're not doing that. And like in my dry fire for the next week, we're not doing that. Um, so I feel like if it were true and he was warned on the first string, I would make damn sure my finger was like exaggerately out. Like, mm-hmm. so at that point, I probably would even left-handed. Like, um, but I think if it went the way it went, mm-hmm. you know, and he was warned, that's that's plenty fair. Mm-hmm. And 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 if I remember correctly, the kid did agree that he was warned the first string, but he argued that. He didn't have it in the second string. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it, it, it's so hard. You can't tell from a video unless you were absolutely there and you were looking at it. You were the ROs or the shooter. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in my in, in my defense for this, I guess, is there's no significant advantage of having your finger that close. Right. You still got to get it in and out. Correct. Like, so why give a has why give them a question of a doubt Correct. of was the finger in there or not? So. Correct. Um, so yeah, that's I guess that's what I'll say about that because I've seen the video, but the video is not very good. So, um, oh, there was video. Oh, yeah. The the shooter who got disqualified actually put it on their Instagram. Oh. Um, so you'll have to. I, I don't even know how I could find it. I think I've got a link to it. In my <laughs> text messages, but uh, here nor there. Um, here nor there. Right. So uh, it was cool. Um, you came in third A class at your first A, nationals. Yeah. <laughs> and you shot your division, right? Yeah. So against Christian Seiler, the best I know, right? U.S. shooter. Well, the best U.S. open shooter, because I can say Nils is probably the best shooter overall because he can shoot okay. so many different platforms, but Christian okay. could take that easily um, with whatever switching guns he wants to shoot. So, <laughs> you know, you shot your cl- percentage – of your division, yeah, and still podiumed. I'll take it. It was uh, close. So apparently, there were three A class people, all like within less than point zero one point away from taking third. <laughs> right. So yeah. So I've got it here. So James Ramos at seventy eight point five three um, was you know fifty fourth position overall, top A. Then David Murphy at seventy six point three six. Yourself at 73.17. So, like, 19, excuse me, less than 0.19%. And then 
You know, just a little bit under you, sixteen point sixteen difference from you it was Patrick yeah. at seventy five ninety nine. Like it was super it was tight, close. really so that, tight. So that could have been a Charlie Delta. Um, definitely a Mike could have bumped anyone farther up. Yeah. Right. Wow. So for Patrick to do a big enough swing, somebody would have had to have miked something. But looking at the points, the percentages are all condensed. But yeah. the points like fifteen eighty eight, fifteen eighty four, and fifteen eighty. You know, yeah. still an eight point swing. So any any shot could have changed the outcome of this. Yeah, so, for sure. And it was cool. You shot with your buddies. You shot with really good shooters. Um, shooting with those really good shooters, did they did that get into your head, or were you able to stay in your mental game? Um, I think day one, I was able to shoot my own match and my own game. Um, I don't necessarily think anyone else's cadence or timing or stage planning really threw me off what I knew I could do or what I should do. Mm -hmm. um, it was just a lot of my internal things. Like I, as soon as I walk off a stage, I can know, okay, why did I take so long here? Why did I throw a mic there and have to do a makeup? Like all of those things, it was only more of my internal criticisms of my own performance. A lot of it was more, Day two was a little more difficult, and I don't know if that was – I had some close family come up and visit, which was really exciting. So maybe it was partially distracted, like wanting to spend time with them, and then instead of maybe focusing 1,000% on what I was supposed to be doing. But then again, there were there were people who were very important to me, and they, they did drive some time to come spend time with me and watch me. So it was very emotional. Like I was happy, but then I was – also unsure of how to process that emotion because like i said we we're very kind of conservative growing up and we didn't do sports i didn't have any kind of performancey type anything um so this was like a very emotional time like my first nationals the first time any of my extended family had ever come to watch me shoot and then the fact that they were all there and they were super proud of me it was a very great but very new experience for me so mm -hmm. Day two was a little bit, um, probably a little less like zeroed in than day one. Mm -hmm. um, and then day three, I feel like that's when it just kind of set in. It's like by the end of the day, you would have finished your first ever nationals. So, mm -hmm. and, and that I think kind of really got to me. And then like a lot of people that I'd looked up to had, finish their AM session. They were all done and they were all coming up to me and just telling me, wishing me good luck and keep on going that I was doing really well. And then I think that pressure kind of got to me a little bit because a lot of people that I didn't really believe or know that knew who I was was telling me, keep on going. You can do this. Keep the course, keep pushing, keep mm -hmm. like the same aggression and forget aggression and focus that you had all through day three. And then I think some of that kind of day three was tough. Um, I was tired, probably dehydrated, hungry because I don't like to eat much until after I'm done shooting. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think that day three, I felt a lot of pressure and I don't even know why. Um, Cause there was really nothing for me to lose. I mean, mm -hmm. so in all honesty, I called my friend Jared and I just mm -hmm. like spent probably a good 60 seconds yelling at him. 
I don't know why. I yelled at Clanton for 60 seconds. And then at the end of it, he's like, well, why aren't you just going out there and having fun? And I'm like, I'm trying. He's like, no, you're not. You're, you're not having fun. Go out there and have fun. It doesn't matter what the points do. It, it, you're not going to beat Siler. Just mm-hmm. go out there and have fun. And he's like, what I want you to do, the last three stages, you go out there and you draw your gun. You visualize your target. And then you just shoot all of the targets as fast as you can. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I tried to do. <laughs> well, and it's good sound advice too, especially for someone who who shot on the super squad yeah. um, this year. So he uh, he definitely knows what he's talking about in that regard yeah. because, yeah, it's definitely – and he and he probably shot in worse conditions due to the fact that they shot in the rain. Yes. So I mean, yes. you had to deal with the stagnant heat yeah. of Talladega. Yeah. But at least your shoes weren't soaked with water and still soaked Correct. by the end of the day. Correct. I mean, they were soaked, but it was because I was just sweating everywhere. It was gross. Mm-hmm. It was gross. But no, definitely like he kind of talked me off my ledge and like the next three stages. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to let my trigger finger do what it does and just send around. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's honestly a great, um, a great thing to do too. Right. You know, just, just let that thing, let that trigger finger rock and just, snap yep. the, you know, bang the trigger away. Um, and you can't complain about that at all. Right. So yeah. it was like, I bet you anything, if they had um, captured scoring on splits, I would mm-hmm. not see any 10 splits on there. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. He's like, well, then you need to go shoot chasing those splits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Now, um, I want to diverge away from Nationals a little bit, but I want to talk about your social media game, right? So okay. you you post pretty much every day, multiple times a day, um, with some good-looking reels and, and things like that. So – is it your background, like your professional background, or is it something you enjoy doing, or is your wife do it for you and you just post it? <laughs> it's okay to admit it if it's true because uh, it's it could be funny. <laughs> so the Shadow Bay Adventures account, that's all her. I don't have anything to do with that. Right. Um, everything you see pretty much on Modern Age and Dynamics, that's usually me shooting and picturing that. Every now and then she'll send me something and then I'll for sure tag her on it if she's videoed it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of obviously the third person shooting. Mm-hmm. She's usually my camera person for that. Um, but a lot of it, I, I just love social media content. So uh, like mm-hmm. if it's not watching people shooting, then it's watching kind of other content creators showing, okay, this is how you do this to get this cinematic effect. These are the filters we like. These are the popular trending real audios. So it's just mm-hmm. finding a lot of random stuff like that. Um, as you know, you probably feel it, but like the IG community is very uh, not tolerant of our um, passions. Mm-hmm. So I, I went from this time last year, I was averaging close to 45,000 hits per month. And now I cannot get over 4,000 hits per month. I got I got shadow banned hard um, and my engagement's down. So I greet, greatly appreciate anybody who likes comments or um, views any of my content. But no, this is definitely not 
this is just for fun for me. This has nothing to do. There's no income in it for me. This is just stuff I like to do. And mixing social media content with shooting kind of just my passions and only hobbies I kind of have. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the engagement, it seems like doesn't, it seems like whatever you try, like you can only, you'll tick up a little bit and then it sinks and you tick up a little bit and it sucks is you, you know, especially trying to grow a brand organically um, and not being super edgy on content or things. It's like I'm posting match videos, talking about a performance or a stage. It's like, it's in a safe atmosphere and correct, but they just don't like it. But then you've got people like PewView, for example, you know, and a phenomenal shooter in his own right, um, do some crazy trick shot and it blows up and it's got like 10 million. Right. Right. And it's like, I mean, I can't, you know, it's like comparing apples to oranges because he's already got a big following. Right. But it's still, it's still disheartening. And it seems like, you know, YouTube is a little more tolerant of things for now. For now, um, for now. But that's, and that's the hard thing too, is like, you, you never know when they're not going to be okay with any of our content. Correct. And if you ever find another platform that's a lot more tolerant and there's more people that aren't just going to go through and report every single thing you posted for like the last three weeks, then by all means, share with me and I'll hop over. Well, speaking of that, um, Rumble is Rumble. pretty t- rumble um a lot of bigger youtube channels i found share their content there as well okay. um so it'll backlog things too so say say you want to backlog all your content from the time you started shooting right and put it all on rumble it could be it because it'll take the youtube link and the youtube um in the background snag the link and then they'll export they'll import the video onto their site so it's actually not bad um it's mm. still growing um, okay. as a as a platform but it's definitely something that needs to be looked at like um i do a live stream now every week uh which is on youtube and rumble so okay. i can grow both atmospheres so i think it's worth the squeeze to put your content on both or have it auto- automatically post on both gotcha. but um it seems like it's going to be a little more forgiving in the meantime i think it's yeah. but uh you know, all, time will tell on anything too, though. So, right. You know, somebody buys it who doesn't like that kind of stuff, it'll get pulled too. So, I mean, that's the unfortunate part. It doesn't matter. Right. If someone's got enough money, they can ruin your day. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, that's definitely fair. Right. So, what got you into the video kind of stuff? Was it just another hobby you had, or was it something you saw as a need for your content on Instagram? I really just want to be an influencer and then just like shoot guns the rest of my life. And that's, that's the pure honest truth. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I don't want to have to, I mean, I could work and be successful and I do, but mm-hmm. I really just want to shoot. Like I want to be able to go to all these matches and not have to worry about, oh, do I have to shoot major or minor just to make sure that I'm consolidating all my major match ammo for major matches. Like, I'd like to just go out and have fun and actually just bring more exposure. Like, I think I want to make content that would make me excited and make me want to go shoot competitive shooting, make me want to be better at shooting, be safer at gun handling, be better 
able to, in the end, protect myself and my family if I ever have to. So that's kind of my big goal. Um, unfortunately, I don't necessarily know um, if that's really making that kind of impact that I kind of want. But until then, I feel like the only way that's going to happen is make videos of someone being very passionate about safe shooting and competitive practices. And then hopefully other people, well, I take that back. I've been several people who have gotten to competitive shooting because of some of my videos. But that being said, I would like it to be even more like further reaching and more people be like, I want to do what that like muscular Asian guy does. So, mm -hmm. which is, which is admirable too, right. To want to be in a good influence for, you know, people coming up, um, see that what we do is fun and enjoyable and safe yeah. um, in a good light. And I mean, it, it sucks is what kind of, you know, era we live in, right. With the, you know, the shadow banning and yeah. the, the polarization of some, you know, um, of demographics and the internet, which sucks for growing yeah. some forms of content. Although yeah. then you can see forms of content that really shouldn't be even on the open access internet anyway, but it gets, right. So, but anyway, before I get on my, so, before that. I get on my, before I get on my soapbox here, soapbox. <laughs> I'm not that short, but I do need a soapbox sometimes. Um, <laughs> hey, soapbox is good for any and all heights. Okay, you know, Nils, you don't need to stand on one. I need one, so I feel less short. But I, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if they put the short box on a stage, I think it should just stay there, so that all you tall people mm -hmm. have to deal with the short box too. Yes, this is true. But <laughs> this is true. But um, Mark, I think we're near the end of our time today. But I do have All a couple right. more questions. Um, you know, we've talked um, about some people, um, but who have been some people? You know, I'll say this: other than your wife, who, um, but not sponsors, um, who have been like mentors or supporters of you in the sport? Um, the biggest people have been a lot of my local guys. Um, and kind of sucks because I'm kind of like the last guy who hasn't been master or higher. But uh, Jerry Clanton, he's on social media. Um, he was kind of my first gun bunny friend. Um, gun so bunny I met friend. him. I met him at my very first USPSA match um, here locally, and he was just like this smile, happy, dorky kid, and it was like freezing. And we've been friends ever since. Um, Greg Clement, he mm -hmm. he's made. Such massive improvements. He, he's um, too humble, though, and this is my problem with Greg: <laughs> is he's too humble. Um, bro, like Greg, if you're listening, you probably are. Talk yeah. some smack. You're that good. <laughs> End of <Yeah>. rant. <laughs> he only talks smack to me. It's it's not cool. He needs to talk smack to other people. Yeah, um, he needs to he needs to show that he's got the skittles. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, there's another local guy. His name is Tristan Riggs. He's a, a instructor here at one of our local colleges. He's been really good. We, we we shoot and we talk and train together. We took men's class together. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another guy. His name is Zach Petzold. Um, he's an M-class guy from here too. And he'll come down and we'll get some practices. And he's also done really well at his first nationals this year. Um, and all these people, so Zach and Jared, I was hounding them ever since they got back from CO Nats this year. Like, what do I need to do? What do I need to focus on? They're like, no, just go out and have fun. Just go out and have fun. That's what they both said. Go out and have fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. go out and have fun. 
Right. And, and that's all we need to do is go out, have fun. You're going to shoot your best match when you just have fun. It's, yep. it's, it's a proven fact, yep. but, um, so true. but, uh, Oh, but, um, now we can talk. This is the part of the show where I like to let the, the shooter who's on the show, pay the bills for their sponsors. So this is the part yeah. where you get to go plug the wonderful sponsors or partners that you do have within the shooting yeah. sports. Um, official partner for me would be gun butter. Um, mm-hmm. they, I was, probably only a couple months into my shooting career and they Mason reached out and said, Hey, would you like to be on my team? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. And I've been part of that team pretty much all of my USPSA career. Um, uh, basically everyone else has supported me in every single way. Um, work with Mike gunsmith. David Hill over at Tactical Steel Customs. He's built all of my competition guns from this year, um, all my 2011s that I've competed with for sure this year. Um, and then Iron American Liquid Chalk, they're who I use for grip enhancement. Um, and then we're going to talk about Daddy Nick. He's helping mm-hmm. me iron out my uh, nine major tailored hand loads. Um, also, B-Class Engineering on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Vince Hall over at Stonebridge Gunworks with the TFTs. Mm-hmm. So I've, the, the, um, the open SRO TFT mm-hmm. designed for people like me. So. Well, yeah, you get, it's got it's different because it is on a frame mount, so it's you know, be a, it's like the Shadow Two guys where the where the dots so low with the SRO, it's like it yeah. no compute. Eh. I guess I can't wait. I got to backtrack a little bit. Nick will get some love here at the very end because I kind of forgot about him too. Um, although he's that kind of the monkey on the back because always I'll text him. Why is my thing not work? I don't know. Did you set it up right? I don't know. But yeah. how did? You he convinced you you convinced him to let you load your ammo on his machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, all "He right. loves me, and I love Nick. That's all yep. there is to it." Do you, do you, do you like hold his kid while you're there too? Mm, no, we usually. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't want his wife to hear. Uh, <laughs> but we usually just have like you know bro date. You know, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Well, but no, especially I, when I've he been... works at home. <laughs> Right. No, I, I became friends with Nick very early on in my career and, you know, obviously give him a lot of crap for shooting PCC. But I mean, whenever I dabbled, I always hit him up for any advice. But uh, I'm waiting for him to come back and spank some ass. Yeah, he said he was switching to production for a while. I saw at least. that and that's disgusting. I'm going to squat up with him and just shoot open really loudly. Yes, and that's that is something that people don't understand. Is it, it gets it's lovelyly loud. Yeah, and then just keep on saying, "Man, that was really nice not having to reload." Right. Well, or they say, "I always yeah, I always ask like a dick. Was that loud? <laughs> was that loud?" <laughs> They're like, I "Yes." Oh, I, I, not for me. It was great. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I have had my ear pro once, like because at one point I had to use inner ear, just like foam inner ears. It, or well, there were silicone ones, but it popped out a little bit, and you could just hear the ringing. I was just like, "I'm not stopping." <laughs> it sounds horrible. Yeah, it did, but uh, the ringing went away about after a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do not recommend it. So don't don't do don't be dumb like me, people. Don't do nope. that. Over ears is a must. 
see, I, I can't do over the ears. It's the uh, the head pressures. Oh. So I ha- so now right now I've got some decibels that are custom molded. Okay. So those are at least those I, I tried those out for the first time the other day. They didn't hurt my ears, but they were super super tight. So I was happy with that. So I can't okay. complain there. But um, yeah. So everyone go over to go bother Nick because he doesn't have a yeah. website set up yet. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame on him because he needs to somewhere auto drives to put his child right. through college, um, right. for a master's or a PhD. Right. I don't care. He, he just needs to sell auto drives cause I need an auto drive still. Um, Correct. And, and you need to get a reloading press so you Apparently, can get, get, get an auto drive. Press. But like we said, there is LO now. So it was probably created, even though I never complained about it, mm-hmm. it was created for me. So maybe, maybe super squad LO, maybe, but I'm not even going to this one. So. Right. Yeah. You're not cool. <laughs> you're not cool. Like Greg, who can just get sponsored by masterpiece arms and get to go to every nationals. He wants yeah, to. Apparently not. Apparently not. It's okay. Some, some company will make a mistake and pick me up and then it will be great. Right. Exactly. But, um, Mark, so for people who want to follow you on the internet to watch your videos and whatnot, um, where can they find you? Uh, it is on Instagram at modern.asian.dynamics. And then the link tree is in the description and the description changes based on how I feel. Mm-hmm. There you go. And but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you have, you have a YouTube channel, so you I do, it. and that, that's all on the link tree, and it's the same. I think it's the same ad on YouTube. It's just uh, at modern.asian.dynamics. Gotcha. Yeah, so people go check out Mark. Um, go show him some love. Go uh, go subscribe to him on YouTube. Put a put something in the comments on one of his videos over there. Tell Manny sent you um, wherever, or just listen to this and say and go go message him. Tell him that you know that you heard about him. So. Uh, mark brother i appreciate you coming on this has been a blast i've had hey fun. thank you it's been um, a blast too even though you air rack your open gun <laughs> hey hey like i said i found one i couldn't do and until then i'll just keep on trying to find up another one to you know make up for the fact of the one that got away right exactly but mark brother thank you for coming on and listeners um until next time get out and do things and i will see you on the next one